Please do join me once again in taking out your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Let's ask the Lord for his help. Father, we come to you now um, thirsty and hungry. Would you provide, Father, the water that we need from your word, the bread that we need from your word. Father, as we just sang, we can't drive until we are driven. We can't move until we've been moved. So, Father, would you, through your word and by your spirit, move your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we all love Amazing Grace. It's a, it's a great hymn. Um, verse 3 has these lines. Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Christian life, life here on earth, dangers, toils, snares. We've been through some. We're probably in some now. We will be in others, but... The faithful God who's been with us in the past has promised to be with us in the future and he's most certainly with us right now. Jesus, in, in this sermon on the plain where he's um, speaking about the identity and the ethics um, of those people coming into the kingdom of God, uh, he's been warning about some dangers, many dangers. Last week, and we looked at a couple of verses, 37 and 38, um, Verses that were well known, but maybe not so well understood. Um, we saw Jesus warning against the danger, the danger of judging others in a spirit of condemnation, not being discerning, not having to make decisions based on what's good and evil and right and wrong, but warning against this judgmental spirit, this spirit of condemnation, a warning against having a censorious spirit, a a, a, a person who enjoys actively seeking out the faults and the failures of others. Well, today, Jesus is going to speak about another kind of danger and issue a warning for our good. Now, to be sure, there's a, a danger, I think we're all aware of, of too much introspection. Uh, that danger is a morbid introspection where we're curved in on ourselves and everything looks dark, little hope, this dangerous kind of too much introspection. However, there's a corresponding danger on the other end, and that would be a, a danger of too little introspection, not looking inward itself, not taking the time and making the effort for self-evaluation. Self-examination. I mean, we saw last week just this idea of judging, condemning others, inspecting others, condemning them. Well, today, Jesus is going to illustrate that danger of too little introspection, not enough self-assessment and evaluation. But I want us to know this, the grace of God is big enough and strong enough to bring us safe through this danger as well. And God often sends his grace to us by warning, 
by warning us against the danger. And here in our text is a warning having to do with spiritual blindness. So let's listen now to verses 39 through 42. He, that is Jesus, also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Well, we're going to open up and explore this short text by considering it in two parts. First, Jesus talks about himself and his teaching. And then secondly, Jesus talks about his hearers and their learning. So Jesus is going to talk about himself and Jesus is going to talk about his hearers. So let's look at verses 39 and 40 in a bit of detail. Jesus is talking about himself and his teaching. He also told them a parable. Well, we heard that word earlier in chapter 5, verse 36, and we hear it again now in chapter 6, verse 39. Now, I don't think I did this then, so I'll do it now. What is a parable? What is a parable? Well, it's a word that comes from a compound word that's made by joining two Greek words together, para, alongside of, and balo, to throw. So a parable is a story that is thrown alongside of a spiritual truth to illustrate it. And this means that a parable must always be interpreted in the context of the spiritual truth that is being presented. So he begins this parable by asking a couple of rhetorical questions. Questions that, in one sense, already expect an answer. These rhetorical questions have to do with the blind leading the blind, the blind following the blind. And it's a bit humorous. You know, folks um, that think Jesus is just dry, abstract truth, they haven't read the Bible. Here's Jesus throwing a bit of humor. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Now, some of us may remember the cartoon Mr. Magoo, right? Came out in 1949. Yes, Mr. Magoo, a cartoon character. He was nearsighted. He wasn't, in theory, absolutely blind, but he was practically blind, right? And tale after tale after tale of Mr. Magoo and whoever he was with um, having some problems. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Well, in one sense, you could say yes, of course. But the reality is no, especially if you're considering where you want to go. Because will they not both fall into a pit? And what's the answer to that rhetorical question? Yes, they will. The blind leading the blind. Mr. Magoo and some of his adventures. Jesus, though, 
moves on and makes a statement concerning the disciple and the teacher. If you follow on with this idea of blindness, there's this idea that the disciple and the teacher can't be blind. The teacher can't be blind and the disciple can't be blind. They both, both teacher and student, both need to see. Jesus, in making this statement, is, is, is saying as he's teaching his apostles, those 12 men he had called and appointed apostles, he's teaching others who are coming to him, that are starting to follow him. He's teaching them and he's reminding them that everyone has to make a decision about who will guide them. Everyone's following someone. Who is it you're following? Um, some of you may be familiar with Alice in Wonderland. You may remember the time that Alice comes to a fork in the road and she doesn't know which way to go and, and she comes upon the Cheshire cat. He's sitting there and grinning and he asks her, what's the matter? And Alice says, I don't know which, which turn I should follow. I don't know whether to go to the left or to the right. Can you help me? And the Cheshire cat says, well, that depends on where you're going. Alice says, I don't know. The Cheshire cat grinned and said, then it doesn't matter. It matters who you're following. It matters who your teacher is. Now, what's Jesus' point? What's the point Jesus is making? Now, on the one hand, He's talking about the importance of following teachers who can see and know where they're going. He's also talking about the importance of knowing that disciples, right, will over time become like their teacher. But on the other hand, and more importantly, I think he's talking about himself. He's talking about himself. He is going to say, in many ways, over the course of what we'll see in Luke, that he can see. He's the only one that can see truly, clearly, correctly, accurately. He knows where he's going. He knows the way. John captures Jesus' words well. Right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's talking about himself. He knows where he's going. And so he's saying to his apostles, those 12 that are really close to him and the other disciples that are around him and the crowd that may be there as well. He, he, he's telling them as they follow him, they will become more and more like him. They will become men and women who can see. So in this first part, Jesus is talking about himself and his teaching. Well, Jesus now turns and addresses those listening to him by asking them questions. Then he's going to make an evaluation. And finally, he's going to issue a command. So let's take a look. We see in verses 41 and 42 um, where Jesus is talking about his hearers and their learning. Now, here's another parable. A parable of specks and logs of sawdust and two by fours. And if you thought the blind leading the blind was humorous, this just went up the scale, right? 
When I was a kid, I loved the illustrated Bible, right? I loved pictures, right? Words were cool, but pictures were cooler, right? My friends, we have an illustrated Bible here, right? Jesus is illustrating truth. If you can read verses 41 and 42 and not kind of have a smile, a grin, even laugh out loud, then you might want to read again. Because Jesus here is not only humorous, he's employing hyperbole. And I was very glad that Dr. Keener in that video talked about Luke employing hyperbole. Because Jesus is employing hyperbole at times, an exaggeration, right, in order to make the contrast easier to see. Now, Jesus is talking to his hearers about his hearers. But you know what? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. You've seen the illustration, right, for this, these verses, right? That man that can't get close to the other man to you know, get that speck. Why? Because he's got that two by four, that plank, that six by six timber, that log protruding out of his eye. And it dawned on me this morning, there was a, a singing group, a music group called Plank Eye. I think I only made the connection now. It's, it's humorous, right? You can't even get close enough to do what you want to do to help somebody because you yourself are incapacitated by your own inability to see. Remember our Old Testament reading? King David. The prophet Nathan comes to him. He reacts to the story, right? What, what was Nathan doing? Telling a story, providing an illustration, a parable. What was David's response? How did he react? Oh, he saw clearly that man. He was definitely in the wrong. That man needs to pay back fourfold. How could he do this? But then there's that transition, right? Nathan says, you're the man. Excuse me, Nathan says that to David. You're the man. David later, I have sinned against the Lord. He saw, he didn't see, then he saw. When we think of this Nathan David encounter, I think the temptation has always been, at least in my understanding, is you know, be a Nathan. Be willing to confront people with their sin, right? I think we've missed an emphasis. Be a David. Respond well to rebuke. Respond well to criticism. Respond well. So look how Jesus continues. Let me read verse 41. Why, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? 
Ask yourself this question. Why do I see the speck in someone else? But I don't see what's right there with me. Why can I quote unquote see clearly someone else, but I can't see myself clearly? And we're not going to actually spend a lot of time. In fact, we're going to move on. But just ask yourself that question. Why? Why do I notice the sawdust, but I can't see the two by four? Jesus goes on again, verse 42, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? It's reinforcing the same question. How can I say, brother, let me come alongside you and help you when I can't even see what's wrong with me? Two ways of asking the same thing. Um, as you might know, uh, we live right next door, this church building, right next door to a barber shop. Five barbers, right? And the Lord has given me a great and growing relationship with all of them. And in fact, um, every day that I'm here in the building, I'm also in the barber shop, uh, not getting a haircut because that only happens every so often. But I'm getting ready to land this line on them. Men are like barbers. They trim all men but themselves. Men are like barbers. They trim all men but themselves. Because you know what? Those barbers literally cannot cut their own hair. They have a partner, a friend. Do it for them. So ask yourself this question again. Why do I see the little thing that's wrong in someone else's life and I can't see the big wrong thing in my own life? Look how Jesus continues. You hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. You have a harsh measure toward others, but you're very generous with yourself. Now, if that's who I am, if Jesus' evaluation is correct, that you're a hypocrite, you don't practice what you preach, you say one thing and do another, uh, and in one sense, all of us are hypocrites. If you, if, if you flatten out hypocrisy to just being sinful, we're all Hypocrites. But Jesus is addressing, I think, something more deliberate. Maybe not intentional, but functional. You're a hypocrite. Well, Jesus is going to help us out. You see, Jesus is warning us of this danger and what you see here is someone acting superior to another person. There's an attitude, a posture, an aroma of condemnation. Someone looking down on us and coming down on us. Now, we know that the fall of man into 
to sin really affected everything, right? That's what total depravity means. Not that we're as bad as we could be, but there's not any part of our life that hasn't been tainted by sin. But you know what's interesting about believers and non-believers, about people that are Christians and aren't Christians? There seems to be a sense that we all know when we're with someone who thinks they're superior to us, right? I mean, my goodness, an unbeliever can sniff that out, right? That's almost, I almost want to say that's not been affected by the fall, the ability to sense that. You know what I'm talking about. You're with, you're with someone and you just feel condemned by their posture, their attitude, their words. Jesus in Matthew 23 pronounces a lot of woes on the Pharisees. And one of the times he's pronouncing a woe, he calls them blind guides, right? Can the blind lead the blind? And this is what he says in Matthew 23, verses 23 through 24. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Go back to the illustration, right? It's out of proportion, right? The problem with the other person is this speck. It's this piece of sawdust. And the problem with you is this plank, a two by four, a six by six. It's, it's out of proportion. Jesus is saying in Matthew, how can you be so precise and care and be concerned about, you know, these little things when you're neglecting the weightier matters of the law? There's no sense of proportion. There's no discernment. I love the expression, when all you have is a hammer, Everything looks like a nail, right? It's not a pleasant aroma, that air of superiority. In fact, it is not only not attractive, I would go so far to say it's repulsive. But, and I think this is one of the things Jesus is trying to begin to tell. There is, you can also tell when someone is acting not superior to us and not even inferior to us, but rather coming alongside us. And that posture is humble and gracious. It's a welcoming aroma. That person is attractive. You see, Jesus is not saying that you don't want to come alongside and help somebody get that speck out of their eye. He's not saying that at all. He's saying you've got to I mean, what, judgment begins with the house of God? You've got to deal with yourself first in order to actually be the most helpful. Two different postures. Superiority or the other one is just, how would you say it? Friendship, fellowship, coming alongside, coming beside Loving. 
So I think this is a good place for us to ask ourselves, who has been and who are, in fact, right now, the most influential people in your life when it comes to following Jesus? Who, who are you looking to? Who are you following when it comes to looking to and following Jesus? You see, that makes a difference here and now, and it makes a difference for the long haul. Because if you're blind, how can you follow that guide? And if that guide is blind, does that guide know where he or she is going? Most likely you're both going to end up in a pit, Jesus is saying. See, Jesus is teaching, he's training his apostles along with all the other disciples who are listening. And so, what do you see? Do you see the speck? Do you see the plank? Do you see yourself clearly? Do you see Jesus clearly? You see, living the Christian life requires balance between looking inward and looking outward. Looking upward, looking outward and seeing Jesus. Looking inward and seeing yourself for who you are when it comes to sin, the worst and the first. A friend shared that statement or that expression with me a few years ago. It stuck with me. You know, Christians are called to be, as it were, to acknowledge they're the worst and they're the first, right? Paul, as he grows in grace, he grows in an awareness of his sin. And Paul is not hesitant to say that I'm the worst. But I think he's also saying all the time that I'm going to be the first to repent. I'm going to be the first to get the log out of my own eye. I'm going to be the first. I'm the worst and the first. It's a good thing to keep in mind. I'm worse than others, but I'm going to be the first to repent. I believe there are people ahead of us who are looking to Jesus and following Jesus who can help show us the way. Remember the proverb, whoever walks with the wise grows Wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Whoever walks with those who can see the way grows wise. Whoever walks with those who are blind come to ruin. I want to end by listening to two folks who have been ahead of us. One who lived in the 1700s and the other who lived in the 1900s. And for those of you that have been around Grace and Peace for a while, they won't surprise you. Let's listen once again to John Newton. Remember Newton, former slave trader, rescued by Jesus, turned pastor, hymn writer? When I was young, Newton says, I was sure of many things. Now there are only two things of which I am sure. One is that I'm a miserable sinner, and the other is that Christ is an all-sufficient Savior. He is well-taught who learns these two lessons. Jesus is teaching two lessons here. 
You're a sinner. And I'm the Savior. And speaking of two lessons, uh, let's also listen to Jack Miller, former Presbyterian pastor, professor at Westminster Seminary. He said this, the Bible is summed up in two sentences. First, cheer up. You are a lot worse than you think you are. And second, cheer up. God's grace is a lot bigger than you think it is. Is that not also what Jesus is teaching? You're worse than you think you are. But I am the grace of God in the flesh. And my ability to save you and rescue you is way bigger than your ability to lose you, to lose yourself and hurt yourself. So my friends, let's end with the title. What do you see? Do you see your sin? Do you see your Savior? Have you seen your need? Have you seen God's provision in Christ? Amen. Oh, Father, even when we say we can see, there are areas in our life that we cannot see. Oh, how we need one another to come alongside us and graciously, gently, but truthfully help us see what we cannot see. Oh, Father, help us to be a church filled with people who can be close to one another, who don't have logs sticking out of our eyes that really does prevent fellowship and getting close to one another. But Father, would you help us through your word and by your spirit to remove the log so that we can be helpful to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.